Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Tennis Director, Australia's favourite online tennis store with fast delivery and great prices. Free delivery on orders over $150. Just visit their website, tennisdirect.com.au and you can get a 10% discount store-wide. Just use the promo code FIRSTSERVE10. That's FIRSTSERVE10. Welcome to Crunching the Numbers, the first serve's in-depth look at the art and science of playing the game. Welcome to another episode of Crunching the Numbers. I'm Mark Sapolis, and this episode is brought to you by the Tennis Menu, where for only $99 US, you can receive an online tennis coach with over 600 drills, coaching tips, and all the latest in the game of tennis. Not to mention that we also have a package with this man, Shane Leonard from Data Driven Sports Analytics, who dissects the whole game from a numbers perspective. Shane Leonard, thank you very much for joining us. And also thank you because you're such a busy man during this period of the year, obviously with a few Grand Slams being back to back and obviously the French Open on as we speak. And you're working with a few players and you're not getting much sleep. So uh, thanks for, for actually giving us the time today to be able to come on and uh, dissect the game for us. Uh, th- thanks again for the introduction, Mark. Yeah, um, lo- love doing this podcast. But yeah, it, it has been a busy, busy couple of weeks. I, I, I think the compressed schedules just made it tough for, for not not only me. I'm, I'm sure it's tough for coaches and and players and, and and media and everyone sort of involved in tennis. It's just a chaotic time. But I think we're all appreciative that tennis is 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 on TV and it's been played. Um, yeah, going back to it, um, it's it's been great. I think uh, working with a few players. Um, Luckily, this time I've been fortunate enough to work with some players that uh, play the qualies and and are also sort of uh, progressing um, in the main draw. And I, and I, and I want to pull out one in particular. I can't name the name, but Mark's actually been uh, very much involved as well with, with one of the players that we're working with, and um, and had we've had some success as well. Yeah, it's great, and obviously you know our partnership is uh, a couple of years old, and you know we seem to to gel well together and obviously it's the art and the science coming together and hence the reason we do this podcast is because the game of tennis is going down the the sciencey um side of things and we've always been art we've always been opinion based we've always been about our eyes and and you bring a different element to not only you know the sport but my coaching which has helped me immensely and obviously we are working with some players in the drawer and and, and having some really good success at the moment they are still playing which is a real feather in your cap not mine definitely i mean your numbers are doing more than I'm doing from my end. But, you know, just to take us into that, do you want to take the listeners into what we kind of do for, for certain players that are actually, you know, playing the French Open? Because we're not there, we don't speak to them, but uh, what's the, the role we do play? Yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, it, it sort of starts from sort of draw day and just um, having a look at the opponents, uh, getting uh, relevant sort of matches, so similar sort of uh, players that they've versed. Ideally, they've played each other before, so... Uh, you, you've got a really uh, a good data set then, but uh, if not, you just find the similar ones. You, you, you get that sort of match video um, analysed. What I do is I, I'll send it to the coach, but I uh, it, with the players that I involve, Mark, I also send it to Mark. And while I'm sort of doing the, the data analysis, Mark's also uh, having a bit of a watch, getting his coaching eye, picking out things that he sees, and then and we, we, we sort of chat together 
um, and pull it all together um, in, in, a, in a bit of a short, sharp sort of game plan. We flick it off um, to the coach and there's, there's some iterations. The coach will come back with some questions um, and, and, and we'll sort of refine it. And then um, I'm sure he, he takes that away. He'll pick the things that he wants to communicate to the player. Um, some of the feedback I get from the coach, it's great, um, but I only want to use this for the player at this particular point in time. And that's, um, all part of the refinement process as well, but it's good. Yeah, it, it is. And it's, it's actually really good fun to be able to sit back, dissect players, build game plans and not, uh, not cop the brunt of it if they lose from, from uh, when you're coaching them. It can be quite hard when you, when you do a game plan, it doesn't quite work out. The player loses a match, they come off and it's all your fault. But, you know, it is, it is quite a, a great uh, partnership we do have. And obviously with the French Open being so different this year and different time of year, different conditions, Players are having to adapt. There's so many different things happening. And I wanted to probably go down that path today. And obviously, you've done some research on the current French Open with the conditions. And there's so many changes to the data from compared to last year. And what did you find this year? Yeah, we'll, we'll go through this in sort of um, uh, with a few things. But the first one I want to start with is net points. Um, so there's been a 4.4% increase in net points on the men's side and about a 2% increase slightly under uh, on, on the women's side. And uh, I want to highlight two particular matches. So um, uh, one with an Aussie flavour. So uh, Mark Holman's in his um, first round actually got to the net. I think it was 36 times was winning a lion's share of that. Even his opponent came in a fair bit, wasn't winning anywhere near as much as Mark. And then the match from um, yesterday where Denis uh, Shapovalov, um, unfortunately he lost, but he went to the, got to the net 103 times and was winning 71% of those points. So I'm going to pose a question. I want you to sort of dissect those stats as well. But with that scenario with Dennis, should he have come in more given the success he was having? Yeah, it's interesting because as a player, and when you're in that zone, you probably don't even realise that that is the numbers. You know, you're just sort of going about your your match. And you, you know, from the outside looking in, absolutely. I mean, if, if you're winning 71% coming forward, come forward, you know, 300 times if you can in that match. And obviously it was a... A very very close match in the end, and he just lost in that in that match. But at the end of the day, I think it's important to to utilize what's working. And 103 times is a lot. I mean, that is a huge number, especially on clay. I mean, that's where you probably wouldn't necessarily think. But now knowing or understanding what's happened over at Roland Garros with the conditions this year and the slowness of the game from both the court perspective and the new balls with the Wilson balls, I think that's been the reason behind the obviously the increase in net play because the balls are landing so much shorter. And I don't know if anyone's been watching the footage, but you know the balls are landing short. There's so much more opportunity to come forward. Um, and you really need to make sure that you're, you're capitalising on that shorter ball because... It's very unusual that the ball isn't bouncing up like it has in previous years on that play. And not only is it slow, but it's just not bouncing. So the ball is sitting in the strike zone. And for Chapeau last night, I mean, the ball was right there for him. He was coming forward. He was taking time and space away. But yeah, I mean, looking back at it, he probably would have thought if I came in 110 times, the match is mine. And that would have been probably the difference in the end. Yeah, it's a, it was so noticeable in terms of, and I, and I take your point that it's um, hard to maybe sort of um, grasp that while you're in the match. But baseline points or other points, there was 287 of them and he was only winning 31%. So he was absolutely dominating when he came forward, but on the baseline, he wasn't. So um, yeah, and maybe I'll ask you on that, just how difficult it is to process things like that when you're on court mark yeah and that, i guess that's where the on-court coaching is now coming in into the play a little bit where people are now discussing well is this the way forward for tennis having a coach on court at, at a certain time in the match 
what what we need to take the game to another level. And let's say, for example, his coach was allowed to come on court midway through the second or third set. It probably would have changed everything. It probably he would have gone, hey, I've got the data in front of me. This is what's happening. Keep coming forward. You're only winning 30% from the baseline. Get away from the baseline points. Get yourself forward. Push, push, push forward and give him less space to be able to defend into. And all of a sudden, like that changes the match. So, you know, nearly every single sport in the world allows a coach. Do I think that's what we need? Well, I don't know. I'm a traditionalist. So I'd rather it be no coach, to be honest. But, you know, if that's what get, keeps me at the top end of the game and keeps me getting a job at that level, well, maybe maybe we can introduce that and I can get a, another gig somewhere on the tour and, and do that. But at the end of the day, like, I think it's a, a huge, it's a huge thing for tennis if it does go down this path, because that would have definitely changed that match. And obviously, Chapeau would have been going, continuing on on his merry way in this, in this draw. And um, obviously, he goes out. Now, they have trialed in the women's, and it has been uh, relatively successful on the women's side of the draw. The men have been very sceptical and, and not wanting to change history. But... I think it might not be too far around the corner and that would probably be where, you know, I would have come on, come on the court and said, you know, something to, to Chapeau to keep coming. Yeah, definitely one of those things that I think is he's not far around the corner to change his game. Completely agree. I, I think within sort of, sort of um, some sort of, uh, parameters, uh, maybe once, once, once a set or something like that. I, I think it, it'll happen. Um, yeah, again, similar, similar to you. I think the the value of the analyst then goes up as well. Um, particularly in, in live situations. So, um, yeah, I think it'll happen in tennis. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, I think it could be an interesting one. Like, I've heard some some uh, suggestions around coaches having an earpiece and the players having an earpiece at the change of ends. You can just talk to the player. You know, at the moment, they've trialled the female game where the, the coach comes down at the change of ends and you only get that time, which is like, now it's 60 seconds. You, you get bugger all time, really, in between, you know, the change of ends. Um, you're better off coming in between the change of sets. So whether or not the, the coach has an earpiece and they're just talking to the athlete during the change of ends, that, that may be something. Technology is is growing so much in, in this time. So maybe it's something that, that uh, you know, the ATP and WTA might look at moving forward. Next one I've uh, had a look at is, is rally length. Interested to, to have a look at what sort of the conditions would do. So setting the scene, we've got the naught to four rally category, we've got the 5J and the nine plus, and, and, and generally uh, most of the points are in that sort of naught to four category. And I'll just read out some numbers that I've got. So naught to four normally at, on, on Roland Garros is around 63%. This year it's on the men's side is 56. Um, and then the women's side, it's normally 61%. It's 59% this time. So a bit of a reduction, but it hasn't actually translated into the, the nine plus rally category. It's all by up in the five to eight so the mid-length rallies are a lot more a lot more important um a lot of the more pressure points are played in that sort of bracket but uh yeah maybe uh maybe it was something uh looking at the data i was a bit surprised because i, I thought all the conditions may have moved a lot more into that nine plus rally category it's an interesting one because i still think that the game is based around the serve plus one and i, I still think the players are gaining control in those first four balls but they're not actually able to win the point because of the heaviness of the balls and the slowness of the court and the conditions. So it's almost like they serve, they play a big shot, and obviously that's the third ball. The next one gets returned because the court isn't, I guess, going to let the ball go through the court as, as quick as it normally does. So the player has time to get the next one back. And it's almost the ball, that ball or the ball after. I think if we look at numbers, I reckon probably six or seven balls would be where it would be, five, six or seven. I don't think it's around the eight. Um, I don't think it's pushing the back end of five to eight. I'm not really sure what your numbers are saying, but I really feel like that's where it is. It's almost like they're getting that, almost just that one more ball 
back in play than what they normally would just because of the heaviness of the courts. Yeah, it's um, yeah, you're spot on. I think it's 1.1 more shots um, based on sort of the data yeah. that I've got. Um, I haven't got all of last night, but up until uh, when I tracked it, it's about 1.1 shots. So yeah, it's interesting. Um, in fact, on the women's side, it's actually bunched up. There's a fewer sort of that nine plus. So it's kind of all happening in that sort of mid-length category. Having said that, there's still a, a, a huge chunk in the north to four. So the importance of um, winning those points is still probably the most important part. Yeah, and it's interesting because that would never change in a coach's eye, regardless of the data. I'm not saying your data means nothing, mate, I promise you. But um, regardless of what that says, I think that the really important part about understanding this game is that it's a serve plus one and return plus one game. And everything is set up through those first four shots. Now, whether you win the point or you don't, it's still the most important, most valuable part of the match or part of any point. So if, you know, if you take your eyes off it and you look purely, and this is where I think it's the art and science, right? If you purely take your eyes off the, the art and you put it on the science, then the coaches start going, okay, roll the serve in and let's just get into a rally. No, it's not how it works. The, the, the points are extending because of the, the slowness of the court and the ability of the player to get that fourth ball back. And that's basically where it is in this situation. Now, if we fast forward and go to the Australian Open, I guarantee you it's not going to lengthen the match out now just because the French Open's done it. It's the, the time of year. It's the heaviness of the air temperature and obviously being so cold and being moist through the air. It's the new balls that are really uh, heavy and a bit bigger and a bit slower. Uh, the courts are damp and they're really soggy and, and the balls aren't kicking through. So... These are all the factors that are why the, the data is changing. So look at the data from an art perspective and, and really understand that this is why it's happening. I think it's really critical. So, you know, it's great pickup that you've got in terms of the game. I think the game has slightly shifted at the, at the French Open, but there are reasons behind it. And it's important to understand those reasons. I think one, the conditions are a, a huge part and there's been some uh, very noticeable sort of changes in, in some of the, the behaviours of the big players and, and the increased use of the slice so on the men's side i think it's uh 5.4 percent increase in slice and the women's is, is a, a little bit less at 1.9 percent and and one of the big players that i think has particularly in the first round used it a lot was uh, rafael nadal yeah and the slice for me is i think that the reason behind that is again it's the court and the conditions like the ball is not jumping up as high anymore so if, if the ball is staying lower you have the ability to play the slice within your your strike zone um, very hard to play a slice above your head and above your shoulders. And that's why, obviously, you know, um, the game now is the ability to play um, at the French Open where the ball is a bit lower. They can slice it a little bit easier. And I just wonder if you had the stat. I don't know. I'm putting you on the spot here about the drop shots. I think it's been a real talking point of the French Open with the slowness of the court, the heaviness, and the ball just dies once it hits the court. I found that's been one of the most critical um, areas of aggression that players are using. They force them back with the first one or two balls, and then they open up the front of the court and use the drop shot a lot more than they probably what they have. Yeah, no, I, unfortunately, I didn't pull that stat. Um, it is, it's, it's one of the key areas for one of the players I'm working with, um, Nons, that we've um, we'll certainly um, look look to use as well wherever we play. But um, yeah, I've definitely noticed that Novak Djokovic, I think in his first round, went on a, a drop shot spree. It's definitely an attacking weapon, this this French Open. And it is. And anyone that's listening to this, if you're a, you know, a local player, or you're an up-and-coming player and you want to improve your game, think about the conditions and the balls because they play a really big factor in what you can do from a touch perspective. And you know, if you can utilize the front part of the court, which is one of the most underutilized parts of the game for any player at any level, I think it's important. Once you force a player back into the defensive part of the court, it's important to utilize those front two quadrants of the court. So, 
Shane, obviously with the, the French Open, uh, obviously in the first week, you know, it's been incredible um, to watch it and then the differences in it. And uh, you've done a great job. And obviously it's been great working with you at the French Open. And I look forward to hopefully having some more success over the next few days. And hopefully uh, your players uh, can continue to, to do what they're doing. And we'll never, ever see another French Open like this, I think. I think it's uh, going to be a one out of the box and it's um, going to be something that's... Uh, you know, going to be, we're going to remember for the rest of our lives. 2020 has been a different year, but uh, the French Open, especially from a Grand Slam perspective. Thank you very much, Shane, for dissecting that and obviously bringing the numbers and, you know, you're heavily involved. So you're getting us all the latest uh, latest and greatest uh, numbers that the game is is giving us at the French Open. So thank you and uh, good luck. All right, thank you, Mark. And yes, uh, touch wood, we uh, keep having some success with the player we're working with as well. Um, and, and to our listeners, yeah, um, it is a, a strange French Open, but uh, we're all very fortunate that we get to, to, to watch tennis again. Absolutely. And we're coming to you from our bubble, which is in Melbourne, Australia, where we are stuck as per uh, our protocols and we haven't moved out of these rooms for a long period of time so uh it's been it's been yeah it's been fun to be able to do this podcast and keep bringing you the latest and greatest numbers and art in the sport of tennis so thank you very much shane don't forget there's also on the first serve you've got in the huddle aussies only and the weekly show the first serve with brett phillips which is an absolute cracker every monday or tuesday night depending on the afl That's it for this week. Crunching the Numbers has been brought to you by the Tennis Menu and Data-Driven Sports Analytics. I'm Mark Sapphors. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe to The First Serve via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform to listen at your convenience to all our weekly content, including past editions of Crunching the Numbers, as well as our dedicated commercial radio program each Monday on SEN that you may have missed at 7 p.m. Eastern. Aussies only and in the huddle produced by study and play USA subscribe to the first serve your home of tennis want to witness the world's biggest football game head to iCanWin.com.au. predict Australia's score with a crystal ball and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi-finals all thanks to McDonald's Maccas together and loving it TNCs apply